Hey everybody, welcome back to a brand new episode of Mike Adelic. I'm your host, Mike Brancatelli. Welcome, welcome to my inner sanctum. You are now mine. Strap yourselves in and be prepared to be indoctrinated into the cult of Mikeadelic. You will send me money. Send me all your money. That's why I started this podcast, to convince you to take drugs, and then you'll be, have lower inhibitions, and then through those lower inhibitions, you'll send me all your money. Go to patreon.com slash Mike Brank. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. That's how we're starting the podcast today. I don't know. That's, that's, that's what's going on. Um, you know, maybe, you know, it would be nice to be a cult leader. It really, it would be really nice to be a cult leader. I mean, you just convince people to do things. They just send you stuff. They worship you. I mean, it's got a lot of perks and not a lot of downside. What's the downside of being a cult leader? I mean, you know, someone's got a campaign because there's a stigma in our society around being a cult leader. Okay? I'm going to start the petition. Move on. Change.org. Whatever. <laughs> We got we to gotta change, change public perception on cult leaders, man. I mean, cult leaders have been demonized in our society. Cult leaders have been oppressed. Cult leaders have been... <laughs> oh, man. Cult leaders have been, <laughs> have been marginalized and victimized in our society and stigmatized. And you people have been indoctrinated into believing that cult leaders are bad. Well, I'm here to tell you, cult leaders are good. And I'm starting a cult, and this is a cult, and you're in it. Now, go to Mike Brank, go to, go to, go to patreon.com slash Mike Brank, and, and just, just, just give me like, just get, just give me like 50 bucks. Just do 50 bucks a month. Come on. 50 bucks a month is not bad for, for cult dues. I mean, that's pretty, no, seriously. Okay. The, the jig is up. There's no cult here. It's just me. Um, but seriously, if you uh, if you want to support the show, you can do so in many ways, right? You can do. There's many ways that you can do it. You can just talk about it. Just tell your friends. Um, we do a lot of things on this show, but we like to have fun. We we like to have fun, and by we, I mean me sitting here alone in my little podcast studio talking in third person. <laughs> What am I talking about? I like to have fun, and you guys are along for the ride with me. No, but that is what I mean when I say we, because this is a community. I feel a part of a community. I feel like I am, when I'm sitting here alone in my little podcast studio, that I am communicating with you guys and uh, and gals. And um, yeah, we got a great episode today. We have a really great episode today. Um, Kyle and Joe from Psychedelics Today, join me. And we talk about a lot of things, a lot of things. Um, Psychedelics Today is, uh, you know, it was a great podcast. Uh, we, we had a great discussion. And uh, speaking of great podcasts, Psychedelics Today is one. So there you go. Uh, go check them out. They're, they're fantastic. Um, they have a lot of great guests on. And um, Psychedelics Today is much more than just a podcast. They are a media and education and events community uh, led by Kyle and Joe, 
who we're talking with today. And these are great guys. I met them at the Horizons Conference, and I feel like we immediately hit it off. It was just uh, really easy to talk to, very um, smart, funny um, guys, and uh, you know, we had fun. It was it was a good time. They're um, they're 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 really great. They they're really involved in a lot of a lot of things. So, uh, and we talk about all those things. And if I had more of an extensive vocabulary, I'd say other words than just things, but I don't. So this is why I love talking to people like Kyle and Joe, because a curious dummy like me can talk to some smart people and learn some things. And um, hopefully you guys will learn some things too. And, uh, you know, I, I really, I really enjoyed talking with them. Psychedelics Today, by the way, is dedicated to exploring and discussing important academic and scientific and other research that's going on in the field of psychedelics. Psychedelics Today is, uh, is interested in how psychedelics and other non-ordinary states of consciousness, which we talk about like breath work, can relate to expanding, optimizing, growing the human project, this human experience that we all have, as well as healing, right? Healing. You hear a lot about that and the potential that, that they can foster for healing. Um, so it's, it's really great. I'm a fan, uh, obviously. That's why I had him on the show. And um, yeah, I, I just got to say, like, it's really being, it's really interesting <clears throat> being a uh, content creator. <laughs> Uh, uh, hope you guys are enjoying the content. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why I decided to. You know, I I saw um, uh, Hamilton Morris tweeted something out the other day, and if you don't know Hamilton Morris, another great content creator, uh, creating content. He's uh he's got Hamilton's Pharmacopia on uh is it on Vice Viceland? I don't know. It's on one of those things. But this guy is. I mean, it's like he's like the Anthony Bourdain. Of, dr- of psychedelic drugs. I mean, this is incredible. I mean, this is the job that, who wouldn't want this job? Guy gets to travel around the world and explore clandestine mycolo- mycology lab- laboratories, clandestine toad uh, <laughs> extractions. Uh, but yeah, what, a, what, a, what, a, what an amazing um, job to f- travel around the world and try different sorts of drugs and film it all for our education and enjoyment uh, but anyway he tweeted something out the other day that said it's uh it's, it's something to the effect of like it's kind of annoying to hear uh people refer to uh people that create things as content creators and uh, I, I kind of agree with him, you know, I kind of agree with him. You know, I, I, I came from this world uh, where uh, I was in the advertising world and it's uh, in New York City and it's just, uh, man, it's just like, what a bunch of jabronis. I mean, it's just, it's like, you know, if anybody works in advertising, I'm sorry, but, you know, I think the only word that comes to mind is jabroni. I just can't, you're, you're all, you want to be creative, you want to create, you want to make art, but you don't know really, you don't really know how, so you kind of, you, you box it up in these little things and you, you call everything, okay, how can we, how can we exploit this content? How can we capitalize on this content? How can we, how can we get 
how can we how can we send some ad dollars? Yeah, what's your rev share? What's your you know like let's let's share some some rev. Let's how can we how can we uh you know how can we get how can we get more people how can we get influencers to um to to market uh our products uh in, you know live uh, native it's all about native right now you know content creators are big we want to we want to really explore content creators anyway look my my point is a lot of these people they, they, they don't give a shit what's going on they don't care they just they go wherever the people go if there's something that's trendy if there's something that's cool people are watching it they don't give a shit what it is they just look at it as a way to make money and they'll look at you as just being a content creator you know and and i think it's a lot more than that you know a lot of people are spending a lot of time creating things and in, investing their time into things that it, it deserves to be it deserves maybe not to be you know looked at with 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 just a passing gaze of how can we you know how can we get ad dollars out of this um you know, and that's one of the reasons why I, I don't really have sponsors on the show. Maybe it's because I came from that advertising world and I feel like it really rubbed me the wrong way that I'm now so far on the other side that I don't even want to be a part of any sort of advertising. Um, but yeah, I just, I don't want to, I don't want to like sell you guys anything. I don't want to force you guys to, you know, be like tricked into you know, manipulated into purchasing something that you don't need or you don't want. Um, and there's just so much of that in the world. It's just like, you know, it's this constant like hustle, like hustle and bustle of like, buy, try my product, buy this thing, buy that thing, get this, get that. A lot of times, you know, I read this great article the other day and I, I did a rant on the last podcast about uh, that I did with Kyle Tierman. I did a little rant about the so the so-called like self-help gurus, you know, like the hacking your way, five steps to hack your way to like an evolved consciousness, bro. Um, you know, and it's just it just it's like this clawing, gnawing, elbowing, like, mishmash of people just trying to acquire the next best thing that'll make them better than someone else or give them an advantage or, you know, give them more money so they can buy more things and stuff. And it's just, yeah, you know. Anyway, yeah, there was a great article in The New Yorker and um, it was all about the, the, like, after, so I did this little rant on the Kyle Tierman episode that I put out and then... I saw this article in the New Yorker and it, you know, it's, it's, it's all about the, you know, like this whole kind of like self-help kind of guru thing that's going on right now. And, um, yeah, it, it, it just, it just seems, you know, I, it seems like I lost my train of thought is what it seems like. (laughs) That's, that's what it seems like. And if you're new to this show, that's what we do here. Okay. If you want a polished, perfect, shiny, professional, academic, intelligent show, well, go somewhere else. But if you want a fumbling, bumbling, stumbling, tangential moron, stay here. Stay with Mike Adelic. I don't always listen to podcasts, but when I do, I listen to Mike Adelic. All right, well, listen, guys. It's been fun. This has been a, you know, there's no real need for me to talk anymore. 
because the show that we have for you today is really that good. So I don't need to I don't need to go on and on about anything because there's nothing really that's really you know grinding my gears currently right now except for the the self-help guru kind of thing that I that I already ranted about. And um maybe I'll put a link to this New York the New Yorker article. I don't I don't know who wrote it, but I'll put a link to it. And um it's called uh he- healing ourselves to death, I think it's called, or improving ourselves to death, I want to say. What is the name of this this article? It's a great one. Ah, yes, improving ourselves to death. It was a New Yorker article published the other day, What the Self-Help Gurus and Their Critics Reveal About Our Times by Alexandra Schwartz. Yeah, and I love this because, you know, because this is great and, you know, I'll I'll wrap it up, but, you know, me... You know, other people, Kyle and Joe, psychedelics today. We're not. No one's. No one here is offering you quick fixes. You know, this is. There's no. There's no magic solution. There's no. You know. Hey, listen to our show. Hey, join our program, and all of a sudden you're magically going to be healed and transformed. And no, there's. But there are tools, and there are techniques, and there are modalities that you can explore to live a better life, to live a little bit better, to live a little bit calmer, a little bit more at peace, a little bit more at ease. There's ways that you can use things in responsible ways to have fun, to have pleasure, to have joy, because isn't that what this life experience is all about? Isn't it about being here, being alive, fully in the moment, experiencing it all, and and really soaking it all in, and, and being with whoever you're with, and enjoying that to the fullest, to its full human capacity. That's what I think it's all about. And I'll, I'll, never, I'll never push anything on you, seven ways to do this, or sign up for this, or anything like that. There's no quick fixes here. There's no you know, magic pills and potions, and none of that stuff. And you know, we talk about that on this episode today, and I think that's a large part of what integration you know, works into. It's about kind of accepting yourself wholly as you are, and then integrating your full whole being into the world in which you exist in. Problems and all, flaws and all, because we all have them. With that being said, listen, I just say I did one of those in-betweens. I did a look, listen, look, listen, look, listen now. Now, see here now, if you like this show, go on iTunes and leave a five-star review, see? Go on iTunes, leave me a five-star review, would you? I mean, sheesh. Okay, go to iTunes, leave a five-star review, whatever. If you like this show, just talk about it, tell friends, tell people about it, share it, subscribe, definitely subscribe. And we're everywhere, right? You can, I don't know where you're listening, but we're everywhere. It's shows on Spotify. We're on YouTube. We're on Google Play. We're on Stitcher. We are everywhere, baby. Mikeadelic is worldwide or international. And um, yeah, so just please uh, support the show in any fucking way you can or don't. You know, you can just check it out. You can listen. You can be like, this guy sucks. I but I but I'm intrigued. I will listen. I'll give him a couple episodes to see what he can do. And then we'll see. Okay, you want to put me on a probationary period? Go ahead. It's up to you. You do whatever you want. But you guys, you make this show, and I mean that. Uh the feedback that I get from you helps inform me where the show goes and how I shape the show, and I really really appreciate it very much. And um 
Together, we can destroy the global elite. We'll take down the lizard people. We will take back this country and be great patriots once again. Alex Jones, Infowars.com. Buy my male vitality formula. <laughs> Don't forget to get your male vitality formula. All right. Anyway, I'm not, like I said, I'm not pushing anything on you guys. <laughs> oh, what a ridiculous human being. All right. Male vitality, people. Male vitality. I'm a caveman, bone broth caveman. Rah, I just get rah, so goddamn angry. I have the documents. I have the footage. I snuck into Bohemian Grove. All right. With that being said, without further ado, look, this was a fun intro. We went all over the place, but this is the kind of stuff we do here. We do it on a weekly basis. I am going to be going to Peru. I'm going to be gone for three months, but I'm still going to be putting out podcasts. I'm still going to be putting out lovely content for all of you people. Oh, and one more thing I totally forgot before we get to this awesome conversation with Kyle and Joe. They have provided you Mikeadelic listeners, you lovely Mikeadelic listeners and supporters with an incredible discount. Um, There's a discount code for the Navigating Psychedelics course. So, you know, we talk about this in the show. We mention uh, the, the, the wonderful work that these guys are doing. So if you're interested in signing up for that, it will be included in the show notes. The link will be in the show notes. I highly recommend you take advantage of this. If you are curious and you would like to learn about how to navigate through psychedelics, I think this is a great opportunity for, you know, beginners and experienced psychonauts alike. Um, I'm definitely going to check it out. I think it's really wonderful what these are what these guys are doing um it's really tremendous and um so with that being said the coupon code will be mikeadelic uh in all caps mikeadelic 2018 and that is uh the discount offer for the um oh is it for the integration course um yeah i think it's the okay so it's a 35 percent discount for the integration course. Yes, the Navigating uh, Psychedelics integration course. Okay, so the show notes will be there. Click on those links. It'll be clear. And uh, I highly recommend you guys checking it out. It's, it's, uh, it's really great. And there's a bunch of other great links there as well. So with that business out of the way, please sit back, relax, enjoy this wonderful conversation with my friends, Kyle and Joe of Psychedelics Today. Psychedelics are illegal not because a loving government is concerned that you may jump out of a third-story window. Psychedelics are illegal because they dissolve opinion structures and culturally laid down models of behavior and information processing. They open to us the possibility that everything we know is wrong. We don't need new laws that control our consciousness and rigidly place it in a prison. Cognitive liberty. The fact that as adults, if we're not hurting anybody else, we should have the right to explore the contours of our own consciousness without any mediation or legislation on the part of somebody else. Reject authority. Authority is a lie. Information is power. But we have to seize, seize the opportunity. The opportunity. The opportunity. you guys been i haven't seen you since uh since uh the horizons conference right 
Yeah, Brooklyn. Late night, late night cab ride from Bushwick to uh, Manhattan. That's that right. was super fun. Yeah. <laughs> so funny. Yeah. Um, yeah. We thankfully got to share a cab and had a got to share an awesome night over there in Bushwick. That was some crazy stuff and it was fun. Really, really fun. Um, I loved it. So yeah. Um, how did what did you think of Horizons? Was that your first conference? No, I went the year before, um, and I thought it was very cool i mean I, I i it's i'm so new to this world so like the first year that i went i was like like a fish out of water kind of you know it was like my first like public like outing that i like went to so <laughs> i didn't know anybody so i was kind of like shy like i only really i only knew mike of symposia and i kind of just like right. leached onto him and was like so what are you doing like uh, can i come with you <laughs> you know and uh <laughs> you know but but i thought it was really cool you know everybody's really friendly and you know the information is is just non-stop and um yeah it, I, the after parties are great too so i loved it it's uh it is kind of the full package and the great part is, is it happens every year and it's not too expensive yeah yeah, well, uh, it's great to get out and meet everyone, and you know? Medicine. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. So many people. Yeah. So many different viewpoints. It's like, oh, maybe I'm not that crazy, or maybe everybody else is actually that crazy, or these subset of people are actually crazy or really brilliant. Who knows? <laughs> but you get exposed to all of it, and you get to start thinking about other stuff that you've been in your own little pigeonhole for a year and kind of opens it up. Thankfully, we're podcasters, and we get to talk to all sorts of people. So... <laughs> Yes, it kind of gives us and an, uh, it, it's like an allowable way to approach people, sort of. You guys actually did a little recording at the conference, didn't you? Yeah. Um, so we did. We had to be careful because uh, we would have had to get release forms and stuff if we recorded inside. Oh, maybe I shouldn't have said uh, anything. All right. But we didn't record inside. Oh, we were okay. doing it all outside. Gotcha. <laughs> so, so we had release forms, hack. anyways. We just. Uh, yeah, we had them all printed out. <laughs> so let's just say, ah, let's not actually do papers and just hang out outside. And it was pretty cool to actually record outside, like a newscaster. But um, yeah, we did an episode, just kind of a recap, post conference recap, and that was pretty sweet. Cool. And we actually didn't even interview most of the presenters or speakers. Uh, we just ended up interviewing like, well, some some people that like are in the psychedelic field, but um, just normal people saying what their thoughts and opinions were about the conference. Yeah, sometimes that's not, you know, that's better to kind of get people's reactions, you know? Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> More authentic of like, oh, how, how's this going? I don't know. It's, right. It's fun. Yeah. Awesome. Well, yeah, Kyle, Joe, you know, thanks. Thanks for joining me today. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a pleasure to have you guys on. Um, you know, it, it felt like it was right around the corner when we were when we were there. And then I was like, yeah, we should do this. And then time kind of flies by and then whatever. Here we are today. Um, Psychedelics Day is, is awesome. An awesome resource for knowledge and information. You guys always have great guests on. I recently just listened to Catherine McLean on your show, who's fantastic. Um, and uh, The Jamaica you know, episode? Yeah, it was great. It was a great episode. Yeah. What do yeah. you think? You want to go? I, I would love to. So maybe, uh, you know, like when I get back from Peru, I'll just, uh, I'll go to Jamaica next. You know, why not? <laughs> you know, hey, if, if I can make this Timing my life, works. you know, if this, if, if I can create this kind of life for myself, then uh, I will 100% <laughs> go. Yeah, I want to talk about that. Um, I definitely want to talk about that because you guys have a lot of great stuff going on that I want to get into. But first, if you would indulge me and my listeners a little bit, because I know you guys have probably talked about this a lot, but how did you guys 
come to meet? What's your stories? And you know, tell me a little bit about how Psychedelics Today formed and the and the work that you guys uh, do put into Psychedelics Today. I'll let you run with it, Kyle. First, okay, cool. Um, yeah. So the backstory is that uh, Joe and I both have breathwork teachers in Vermont. Uh, Joe was there before I showed up. I showed up in 2010 and I think he was already out in Colorado at that time. And, you know, I, I was doing a lot of work with them training in transpersonal breath work. They host uh, holotropic breath work sessions up in Vermont. And, uh, you know, they were just like, Hey, do you know this guy, Joe? And I was like, uh, no, I don't think so. And they were really surprised we never crossed paths or met before. And so, you know, they really encouraged us to like connect. We th- they thought we'd have a lot in common and, you know, we connected and talked a lot about psychology and permaculture and breath work and, and psychedelics and all this stuff. And then, uh, we got this idea of, you know, our teachers are getting to the point where, you know, I think they're trying to pass their work down mm-hmm. and they probably only have a, like a few more years of possibly helping training people and, and hosting workshops. And uh, so Joe and I had this idea of, you know, let's uh, let's record with them and uh, archive. And Joe and this other guy, Brian, have already archived like a bunch of our teachers talks and stuff. So, you know, we thought we'd just keep it going. And then it was turned into, well, why, why just keep it limited to breath work? Let's, let's start interviewing people in the psychedelic field and try and bring breath work uh, more into the conversation. So that's a little bit about, I don't know. Did I miss anything, Joe? It's pretty solid. <laughs> you were at the beginnings of grad school and I was doing this whole like anti-grad school thing. Like, wow, blah, 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 I go into anti-establishment, rah, 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 permaculture and fuck the establishment kind of stuff. And I'm like, eh, you know what? Maybe let's, uh, Let's get if if this project keeps going, it would be really helpful to have somebody with a master's degree. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're and, like uh, you're like this guy Kyle could actually give me some legitimacy. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, and and Kyle's helped a ton. Like we've we're kind of like bouncing a lot of ideas off of each other multiple times a week now, and um, I think it's helped both of us understand this field better and um, the diversity in it and uh, future promise and all that kind of stuff and pitfalls. Um, which has been really cool because I have this occult background. And um, well, let me let me give myself a little uh, bio if that's cool. Sure, yeah. Um, so I uh, did a philosophy degree at a state school in New Hampshire. Pretty much went with the intention of just snowboarding every day, which was effectively what happened. Plus rock climbing. Nice. And I uh, ended up with a philosophy degree, studying kind of like the uh, Eastern mystery traditions, like the mystical end of Hinduism and and Buddhism and. Uh, how it relates to the Western tradition of philosophy. And um, that's effectively my <laughs> what I came out with. So I had a lot of background in mysticism. And um, I bumped into Stan Groff's work early, kind of freshman year of college. Um, so I was into this LSD psychotherapy world and holotropic breathwork stuff really early. And uh, in 2003, I started doing breathwork and really found these teachers that Kyle was mentioning earlier that, that really helped me kind of... Um, uh, through a lot of these minefields that a lot of psychedelic folks have to you know, go through. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, they they did it before and they were able to help me through it through breath work and, and philosophical talks and dis- discussions on psychology. Joe, if you would, so if, really you, if you wouldn't mind, would you would you yeah. mind like talking a little bit about some of what those kind of 
minefields could be, you know, in that psychedelic journey where you're going through, you're learning this stuff. Maybe give an example of of something like that if you can. Yeah, absolutely. So <clears throat> we want to say psychedelics aren't dangerous. I I hate saying it, but they can be. I wouldn't say they are, but they can be. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so what happens often is you you there's these tripwires, <laughs> psychological tripwires that that could fire off. You're, you're born with these things, various traumas and securities. Perhaps there's um, influence from transpersonal things like uh, your, I don't know, your birth or archetypes or past lives. Perhaps, I don't want to say past lives exist for sure, but they seem like it sometimes. But these things often influence how you interact with psychedelics and how your personal evolution goes and um, how you express yourself as a primate with a higher mind in the world. And, uh, so for instance, you could get super inflated, um, uh, or you could get super paranoid. It kind of looks like a bipolar thing sometimes mm-hmm. where you get crazy depressed. Um, uh, or sometimes you honestly think you're the new Jesus running around the world and you have to spread the word. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, honestly, I had some situations happen with friends in school where, they were doing a lot of psychedelics and they did have to go to a mental institution for a little bit because they weren't eating for weeks at a time, weren't sleeping. And they saw little men with flags and trumpets following them around. Like they were, you were the, (laughs) he was the leader of their army. Um, yeah. Right. So that's kind of disruptive to the academic environment. We have people like that. So, right. So what else, you know, thinking you're more important than you might be or think, you know, getting really nihilistic or getting overly spiritual, like spiritual bypassing. Like, let's just get spiritual, and then I don't have to deal with my life. Right, right. Um, so that's kind of a general overview. I'm sure there's a lot more. Yeah, um, no, like that's a good overview. Psychosomatic yeah. stuff can happen. Um, yeah, so uh, we just got to be a little careful and a little bit more self-regulating as a community. Like, you know, it's a, I'm totally all for people doing drugs when they want to do drugs. It's just, you know, maybe get a little smarter about it. Sure. Um, no, that's a, a very good point because a lot of the times, um, you know, a lot of people, what they report and myself included is, you know, when you, when you have these kinds of, um, experiences, sometimes they can feel like, wow, this is the truth. You know what this, this yeah. feels really right, you know, and, but it's, it could be a trap, you know, because you, you don't want to fall into that, um, you know, pitfall, like you were saying, and then be, you know, running around thinking you're, you're Jesus, you know, it's, it's, Mm -hmm. there's, there's sort of, it's, it's sort of like, you know, in a, being in a boat in kind of choppy waters and then kind of learning how to navigate those, those waves. Um, so yeah, it's, it, and because this is, this is pretty serious stuff at the end of the day, you know, we're talking, what we're talking about here. Um, so then, so you were lucky, you were fortunate to have some people that were mentoring you then, right? Right. Absolutely. You know, they, they had done the whole sixties thing and, um, you know, one more than the other. So they had a lot of feedback there. And, um, you know, I was just chatting with one of them the other day said, you know, how do you even know that's acid? How do you even know? Could be elephant piss. I was like, well, thank goodness we have test kits these days, or you could send it in from mass spectrometry. Um, but you know, I, I, he's been probably out of that game for a very long time. So I don't, I don't blame him for not knowing. Um, but yeah, so, well, one, one side note, harm reduction note, uh, people are doing drugs often without testing and acid is often, um, <laughs> you think you're buying acid, but you're buying something like two, five, I N bomb, or mm-hmm. perhaps it has like a little bit of fentanyl in it just to, you know, give it that little, 
little dangerous edge that some people really like. Um, and that's really dangerous, 2,5-IN bomb. Uh, some people like it, but some people actually die on one or two doses, one yeah. or two hits. They can First-time users can just die. Yeah. So be careful out there, people. Test. Test, right. test, and retest. Yes, that's a, um, that's a very good point. And I'll just add to that because you could think, oh, you know, what's the big deal? I trust this person or whatever. And if you take it, you might take a low dose and it might have a similar psychedelic effect. However, it's not the the exact compound. So it's always better to test because this some of this stuff can be fatal. You're right. Absolutely. Okay, so back to the story. <laughs> um, yeah, so I started working in software after school, then really kind of got committed to this breathwork path and going up probably every couple months or once a quarter to help facilitate and also do breathwork myself. I helped uh, launch Boston Holotropic with a friend that Kyle mentioned earlier, Brian Bauer, and we started doing workshops in Boston all the time. And then we had workshops in Maine, so it was really cooking for a while. Um, Boston Holotropic still going, and that's that's a really cool group. Um, and then a while, after a while, I started doing psychedelic event organizing in Boston through Daniel Pinchbeck and, and a few others organizations, uh, Reality Sandwich and Evolver. Mm-hmm. And uh, we used to meet in an anarchist loft in uh, Chinatown, Boston, which was amazing. Cool. Very cheap. <laughs> but but I, I made myself very broke by putting on events for multiple years and spending money on advertising and flyers and all this shit. I, I went broke and people weren't really contributing. Eventually... People got a little too like uh, uh, spacey or just a little too psychedelic for my tastes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just overly new age. And I'm like, I got to stop this shit. I can't <laughs> do this anymore. <laughs> like, like I, I, I'll let you guys do what you want to do, but it's not for me. I'm more interested in, you know, skiing, snowboarding, whatever, climbing. Um, so I'm, I'm out of here. See you guys later. Uh, and, and that was great. I got to meet a ton of people over the course of those years. Even got to put on an event called Ayahuasca Monologues with, with some of the people from New York and the ayahuasca scene there and, and some locals like Chris Gilham, Medicine Hunter. Oh, cool. Super fun. Yeah. So I really got my um, organizing legs there. It's like, okay, if, if somebody else can do this, I can do this. So I'm just going to start putting on events and see what happens. And it was, it was great. Um, met so many friends. And then I moved to Breckenridge, College, well, Boulder, did organizing there, got burnt out again. And then uh, <laughs> fled the city, and now I live at a ski resort in Colorado, putting on breathwork events, working for a software company, and podcasting like crazy with Kyle. Awesome. And doing awesome. arm reduction. Yeah. yeah, that's great. I mean, man, Breckenridge is beautiful. I've, I've been there, uh, went skiing there once, and uh, I loved it. You know, it's a great town. I could definitely see myself going back there. Um, yeah, I want to talk a little bit about, because, you know, on my show, I, I really don't really dive into this the the breath work and i think what you guys are doing is such a a great thing because you're you're kind of bringing that more towards the the forefront you know um and i want you guys both mentioned uh transpersonal you know stanislav grof holotropic you know these kind of uh words that even myself have have kind of heard but never really have dived into fully so i i actually discovered the wim hof technique i think i talked to you guys about this actually a little while right. ago I, I had just, um, you know, I guess I guess we we all have these kind of weird paths where things just kind of pop up when they pop up. You know, for Joe, you know, fortunately for you, it was in school when you discovered Stanislav Grof's work. I didn't find out about uh, him until maybe like a year ago or so. And, you know, by that time I had already been doing Wim Hof. So it was like, hey, I'm set with his breathing technique. I don't really need to 
you know, go anywhere else with it. But I like, I want to hear maybe some more from, from you guys about this, because this seems to be something that you're championing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you want us to get into like definitions around these things or a little bit backstory? Yeah, that would be great. Like kind of just explain, you know, Stanislav Grof, he's, I, I, I would assume he's probably, you know, one of your heroes, right? I mean, he's, he's got to be, you know, an inspiring <laughs> figure in, in this work for you guys, right? So maybe talk, talk, totally. yeah, talk a little bit about him, if you will, and then his holotropic breath work, and then how you, what you guys are currently doing. That, that would be great. All right, Kyle, you want to flip a coin or? Yeah, I guess I'll go since you just cool. uh, were chatting yeah, for a little you. bit. <laughs> yeah, so uh, Stan Groff, if anybody doesn't know who he is, he's a Czechoslovakian American psychiatrist. Uh, wanted to be a filmmaker, animation. Um, grew up in Czechoslovakia and came across a book by Freud. I think it was um, Interpretation of Dreams. Mm. And at that moment, after reading it, um, he decided to go into uh, psychoanalysis. And at that time, Freud was contraband because Czechoslovakia was uh, a communist country at the time. And, you know, they just didn't like, like Freud's work. Um, so switched over and uh, went to psychiatry. And I believe while he was doing his residency, uh, the place that he was at, got these little amples of uh, LSD 25 and from Sandoz pharmaceuticals. And it was, and you know, there's a note saying, you know, there, there, there might be some like clinical application here, you know, <laughs> test it out and see what you see what you guys can find out. Yeah. Try it out. And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So they were working with LSD back then, um, trying to, they, they thought of it as a psychomagnetic. So, um, they thought it was a substance that mimics psychosis mm -hmm. and they thought that they could train therapists with LSD to understand what psychosis or some of these altered states of consciousness were and how a patient was experiencing their reality. Um, and so Stan probably has over thousands of clinical, uh, trials of, giving LSD to, to uh, people with mental illness over Czechoslovakia. And, you know, they came out with some really great results for some people. And, uh, you know, finally ended up leaving Czechoslovakia, came over to America and uh, got settled in Maryland and was doing some uh, psilocybin research over at the Maryland Psychiatric Institute, I believe. That's it. Um, yeah, and got involved with this uh, project called Spring Grove, where they were uh, using psilocybin for uh, near-death anxiety. So, and that was with Walter Pankey and Bill Richards. Um, and then, you know, the counterculture hit; everything shut down. Groff ended up at Esalen, which is like a huge. Uh, Huge hotspot, kind of like the birth of the human potential movement, mm -hmm. uh, located over in Big Sur, California. And he was a scholar in residence there, writing. And then finally, I guess they were like, you know, you need to start put on some workshops or something. <laughs> and uh, so him and his wife, Christina, at the time developed uh, this breathing technique called holotropic breathwork. And, you know, breathwork's been around for through all sorts of. Uh, 
cultures, you know, yogic breath work and, you know, there's some shamanic cultures that use breath work. So it's not anything new. And I believe this guy, Leonard Orr developed his rebirthing breath work before Groff ended up developing holotropic breath work. But the idea that, you know, intensified breathing can be a vehicle to enter a non-ordinary state of consciousness. So his technique uh, involves, um, you know, people breathing in a group intensified breathing so minimal pause in between the in and out breath um breathing very deeply um usually it's done with eye shades so it's a very internal process and uh, evocative music the music playlists can go on from two to three hours so the, the sessions are pretty long oh, wow. usually they're yeah usually they're like a full day or a full weekend um, the ones in vermont are usually friday to sunday um, one person breathes on Saturday and another person sits. So um, you have like this breather-sitter pair. Um, and the sitter is really there to help hold space, uh, help you go to the bathroom if you need to get up, give you a tissue, wh- whatever that is. Right. And um, wow. yeah, so that's a little bit of a back. So, oh, I'll, I'll define transpersonal breath work <laughs> since that's what uh, Joe and I are trained in. So... Uh, Lenny and Elizabeth Gibson, those are the teachers that we studied with in Vermont. Uh, you know, they, they just want to pass the work on. And since they aren't teaching through uh, the Groff transpersonal training, that's like the training for holotropic breath work, um, they can't necessarily call their training or the work that they're passing on holotropic. So they're calling it transpersonal breath work. So it's a, an offshoot of holotropic breath work. Okay. All right. Yeah. Oh, that's great. I mean, it's, you know, I, I've definitely experienced uh, just an amazing, you know, amazing sensations from, you know, doing, doing breath work. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it sounds so easy. It's like, wow, just, just breathing, you know, like that's it, but it's, <laughs> that's it, what I thought. Right, right. Exactly. I mean, uh, but the, yeah, I've never done what you guys are, are talking about, the extended, you know, two hours, three hours, the long weekends. I'd love to try that sometime because currently right now, my I just do pretty much a daily practice and I do about three or four rounds of 30 uh, deep in breaths, you know, minimal uh, space between in and out breath. And, and then it's all about uh, exhaling the air and then like kind of, you know, depriving, uh, it's it's depriving yourself of 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 inhaling is essentially what what it is it's like you're you're shooting the all the air out well i'm i'm sure you guys are familiar with the wim hof method right you, you know oh, yeah. I mean? yeah yeah mm-hmm. exactly so that's so basically that's what i'm doing you know but i think that uh but that but this sounds really interesting and i and i'd love to try it the problem is there's so many things you know yeah. <laughs> there's so oh, many yeah. there's so many things to do things to learn things to know uh substances to take not to take um, all that sort of stuff. It's kind of just, um, whatever, whatever goes down, whatever, whatever, whatever appears to you on your like float as you're floating down the river. Um, maybe which will lead me to my next question. I want to know since you guys have, um, you know, I guess since it's early in the new year, I'm curious to know what, like what some of your thoughts are on this past year in psychedelics, this past year for, for you guys and and doing the show and doing, you know, your, your courses and, and whatnot, because, um, you know, I think, uh, I don't know, it's, it's, uh, it's been a, it's been kind of a big year. It seems like every year is like a bigger year for, for this, this movement and this message to get out. Uh, how did you guys feel like 2017 went for, went for you? It you was first, sir. 
Yeah, uh, it, it, you're right. It was a very big year. And I think in terms of conferences, it's been a huge year. You know, there is a breaking convention uh, beyond uh, what's the one in Czech. I want to say beyond psychedelics. I think that's what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, then you had the huge international transpersonal conference in Prague. You had the, the MAPS conference in uh, Oakland. I mean, it was just a huge conference year. And then uh, a lot of the research that was coming out, I mean, there was multiple uh, publications that were um, getting major news headlines. I mean, it, it, it's crazy to think like, I never thought I would be podcasting about psychedelics or just, I didn't think this field would be like growing so quickly. You know, when I first got into this stuff back in 2009, I thought it was like a distance future. I had to kind of stay quiet about it. It was like very taboo. I mean, it is still taboo and kind of controversial, but um, it's just amazing how fast it's just like unraveling. And uh, it, I, I'm surprised every day, like every day I see a new new article or, you know, people are coming out with new podcasts every every day or every week. And it, it, it's quite amazing, actually, when I think about it. <laughs> but yeah. it, it was a, it was a pretty big year for us. You know, we uh, we were trying to put out content every every other week, every week or so. Um we we created a course. We attended the Maps Conference, Horizons. I mean, it, it was jam packed. It, it was really great for us. And Kyle, you were on. If uh, you weren't you on, on like a local news network, weren't you on like a, an NBC <laughs> network or something? Yeah. Well. Yeah. That that was cool too. I got two kind of highlights and nice. um, publications. One was uh, USA Today. It was in the college section. It was about the comeback on LSD because I guess. You know, this news reporter uh, thought that there was a, a spike in uh, psychedelic use on college campuses. And then uh, n- it was News Channel 4 in Nashville. I guess they read that article and uh, somebody got arrested for uh, streaking and running naked through Nashville. And they <laughs> thought he was high on LSD or some sort of psychedelic. And I guess in the same week, they busted a major like uh, dealer or uh, chemist or something like that. I don't know. I was kind of confused because they talked about like a, an acid bust of five pounds. But then on the news channel, they were showing like mycelium jars. So I'm not really too sure how accurate they were reporting that. Um, but, you know, they, they found that article on USA Today and they just saw our name and our organization and wanted to speak. And yeah, that, that was really interesting being on like a, I thought they were just going to do audio or write it up. And they're like, no, we want video. I was like, oh God, I've never done this before on like a news channel. Yeah, that's great. I mean, all exposure is good exposure, you know, especially on if it's you know even just a local news network. That's great, you know. I mean, who knows who's watching that? Maybe gets inspired, starts listening to your show, you know. So it's that's great. Yeah. And and one one thing that I want to mention about that was they they took this story of you know a kid getting arrested high on acid or whatever it was, and then a major psychedelic bust. And you know this could have been very negative. They're trying to highlight like what the hell's going on here? Like why is there so much like drug stuff going on? And they took it and uh, really kind of uh, highlighted the research and the potential of why these substances might be like having a comeback and why people are interested in it. So they took like a really negative story and they kind of turned it in the end kind of positive and highlighting some of the research with maps and MDMA. I mean, I think there were like a few misquoted things, but I thought, you know, it was kind of cool that they took this story and had a, a positive highlight with it. Oh, yeah. That's, I mean, Wow, I mean, what what a change from just you know maybe even like ten years ago. I mean, who knew it would have been just pure like 
oh, these people are nuts. They're 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 evil. The, is the Satan spawn? We had to we had to shut them down. You know, uh, the reefer madness. They're going. Kids are going crazy. But uh, but yeah, I mean, like this is this is great that they're they're putting positive spins on it because, and you know, we have to tip our hats over to, of course, the people at Maps and people like that who are who are leading the way. Did you guys see recently that that Bitcoin donation that went through? How about that? That's, yeah, that's pretty unbelievable. It's fascinating. Yeah. What was it? A uh, one one million total in Bitcoin? Yeah. I think I just saw today it was four million. Oh, was it? That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. How do we make these Bitcoin millionaires find out about us? You know, maybe kick a little donation <laughs> our way. <laughs> Please send it on over, everybody. We'd love it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Do you have? Do you take Bitcoin donations yet? I'm gonna set it up to do so because I own uh, I own some cryptocurrencies. Uh, I don't own Bitcoin. I, oh man, I was so close to owning Bitcoin. I was. I was. Back in 2013, I was trying to buy some DMT on the Silk Road, and uh, <laughs> and I'm like, you know, I, I didn't I didn't know anything. I'm just like, all right, I guess I need Bitcoin, so I signed up for all this stuff. And as soon as like the the day that everything was like verified and went through, and I was finally able to make a purchase, the government had seized the Silk Road website and shut it down. So uh, I just didn't sure. even go through with my purchase order. But you know. <laughs> Whatever. I tell you, man, I'm kicking myself in the ass too because I had some friends that were uh, buying a bunch of Bitcoin back in, I think it was like 2011 when it was like seven to ten dollars. Like, dude, you should buy some. Like, what am I gonna do with this stuff besides buy shit off the Silk Road, which I'm, I don't know, I'm probably not gonna do. And uh, now I'm just like, man, if I invested like a couple hundred dollars in that, I would have been set. <laughs> I know the hi- the hindsight, right? Well, what are you gonna do? Yeah. Yeah. So. So yeah, that's great. So Joe, any any uh, input um, from what you maybe what you gained from this past year? Any any insight from uh, um, anything really? I mean, uh, about not not just specifically regarding psychedelics, but uh, in terms of maybe some of the some of the work that you're doing and uh, the, the, some of the offshoot uh, stuff. I know you guys um, you have a coaching and integration program, navigating psychedelics, uh, lessons on self care and integration. I think that that launched this past year, right? Yep. Yeah, man. It's been a crazy year. Like we started <laughs> 2016 May and 2017 has been full on. It was it was just like uh, how <laughs> like we see the market opportunity for this. They see the community has a need and we have a specialty special skill set based on this graph stuff. So like let's build out these classes. Let's go to as many conferences as we can. Um it's been amazing. Like I would say from a science perspective, probably uh, the most impressive thing for me was the Robin Carhart Harris work that was published around um, the connectivity of the brain, heightened mm. connected, what is it, the nodes? Mm-hmm. Uh, the f- yeah, f- I'm sure you've connected. seen that image. Yeah, was that out of the Beckley uh, Foundation? Was that, the, was that uh, they part of that? It. Yeah, um, so Carhart Harris is in England. So yeah, Beckley, Beckley did help fund that uh, to a degree. I, I forget how much. But yeah, it was like brain imaging on psychedelics, which is, you know, kind of a no-brainer, right? Like why, <laughs> why didn't we think of that? <laughs> um, brain imaging? Now yeah. they're doing it with DMT. And, so uh, uh, Carhartt Harris and his team are doing it with DMT now? I think that I think they're in the beginning stages of that, or, or they've published some really, really, really preliminary results without like actually even calling them results. They say, hey, look, we're doing it, that kind of stuff. <laughs> wow, that's great. <laughs> um, 
And then another thing that's fascinating, I don't know if you've heard of this, but DMTX, extended state DMT through intravenous DMT uh, using um, infusion machines, similar to how ketamine infusions or like uh, intravenous anesthesia would yes, be administered I, in I a surgery. Have, I have heard about this. I don't know too much about it. Please explain. This is very interesting. <laughs> so when you tell people, they go, ah, that sounds crazy. Why would you? DMT is crazy enough. What are you talking about? <laughs> like, what? Who on earth needs that? And I talked to actually a gentleman who who runs a. He's like the director of PhDs at some university in uh, California, and he goes, "This is is a great turn of phrase, gratuitously exotic." He's like, "Oh, fascinating." <laughs> but here's what here's the deal. Like, we we initially thought these machines cost hundreds of thousands of dollars. Turns out you can get them for under ten thousand dollars. You go used, you could get them for like a thousand to two thousand dollars. And if you even went for an animal one, it's like two hundred dollars, like a veterinary one. Wow. Um, yeah. And you can buy these things on eBay. Like oh. you don't need a special license. I love animals. Um, so just putting that out there. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> so you would need a quality of DMT that's injectable, um, hopefully done by a real, I don't know, pharmaceutical chemist, hopefully. Um, if you're in the underground, I'm sure you could find a friend that's doing this um, <laughs> or knows enough to do it. So, yeah, the concept is to do a research study in Boulder um, using university you know, procedures, getting ethic board approvals and all that kind of shit, IRB, all, all the words that people want when they hear about studies with humans. Mm -hmm. And the idea is to just kind of do a safety pilot study and then see what happens when you go for 20 minutes to start. Because with the um, intramuscular injections that, uh, I Kyle, were they intramuscular that Strassman was doing or IV? I thought it was IV. Right. I just remember there was needles involved. Yeah. In either case, it metabolizes really quick. Mm -hmm. um, like the peak ex of the experience, I think is like five to seven or five to 10 minutes. And then you come down really quick. Your body goes up. Oh, there's DMT in there. Got to get it out real quick. So the concept is how can we keep a steady concentration of DMT in your blood? So yes, that is the question. How can we do that? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's through these machines. <laughs> wow. That's, and, in that's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. So we've had the tech forever. We've had this tech for 50 years, and we just never really considered it. And Daniel McQueen of Medicinal Mindfulness in Boulder is the guy that kind of really started pushing this idea. There's some other people out there talking about it, but I don't think it's the same thing. They're talking about smoking it, but this is just IV or like, yeah, right. intravenous infusion. So like you could get it down to the nano, was it concentration per nanoliter or whatever, milliliter per nanoliter? I don't know. He's got the whole thing up on uh, YouTube. You can find it on our site. We'll send you a link later, but it's so cool. And the con like they asked Rick Strassman how long he would want to be under. It's like, I don't know, a week or two. <laughs> a week or two. Yeah. So you well, get a catheter. You'd probably be in diapers, shitting yourself in a feeding tube, probably a fluid bag. Yeah. Like it's a fascinating concept because this is like, this is the frontier. This is like we just built a spaceship and we're about to be like the inner, the NASA of inner space with right. DMTX. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, holy shit, we are at the brink of this brand new frontier. Like ayahuasca is great, but you have all these spiritual overtones that kind of sometimes cloud the research, mm -hmm. cloud the discussion around the research maybe. Mm -hmm. um, but here we just have like, you know, here's this drug, here's this human. Let's see what happens when you put them together.
and <laughs> take down experience reports? Is it safe? Like, what's the phenomenology of the, you know, quote unquote entities or whatever you see? And so they're going to have to, like, obviously being a weirdo psychedelic person, you're like, okay, what are these aliens or what are these DMT entities? What is their reality? Why does DMT feel so real? Why does DMT feel more real than your life? Um, so all these questions that we can then ask and then, yeah, like this, this is kind of like the, the launch into this new thing. It's going to be very interesting. Yeah, it's extremely interesting. You're right. I mean, it's like, um, you know, the beginning of Star Trek when they're making the, yeah. the, the you know, the, the, the movie that they made. I remember the, the, I'm not a big fan, but I remember the, um, he like drives up on his motorcycle and they're building the ship and it's, it's not even complete yet, but they're, they're building it and it's going to take off. We've, we've got this machine now and we're about to take off and, and journey into, to the worlds of inner space so we can, you know, figure out and just maybe just tweak out a little bit, you know, whatever, <laughs> figure out some stuff, learn some things because everybody, you know, anybody who's ever smoked DMT or done DMT knows that it's, it's almost an ineffable experience when you come out and you're like, holy shit, what the hell happened? And then the longer time goes on, the more it kind of, you kind of forget exactly what it was like. I mean, you, you still remember, but the descriptions, it's, it's such a quick short period of time you know it's being like blasted out of a cannon so yeah this now you can go in there and kind of poke around a little bit and i know that uh rick strassman actually was talking about how some of the um the the about the setting being in kind of like a hospital setting when he administered his you know plays played a part maybe in some of the experiences that people had with like the lights uh overhead people talked about these bright light entities and and things like that so when when you're using this kind of machine is there a certain kind of i mean i, I guess it's so new but what, what what would the setting be like so let's start off with to the best of our knowledge no one's done this yet oh okay um, and we're working on like oh wait so hold on a second so no funding, one no one approval. no one has used this at all yet this is just the there we're no, just that we know of oh it's probably some rich okay dudes. i bet okay. john mcafee's done it okay okay <laughs> but uh you know it, like all it takes to do it legally right now is um you have a big enough yacht and you have a doctor to go out on your yacht with you with the drugs <laughs> and the machine and you're done gotcha. <laughs> in international right. water that's how libertarians love to do drugs yeah, that's what that's what we do. We take yachts out into the middle of the ocean. <laughs> we got casinos yep. out there and prostitution. It's great. DMT machines. Hook up. <laughs> I'll take a DMT machine, three prostitutes, and uh, hit me. <laughs> yep, and a martini. Cool. Yeah. We're yeah. in. So, Ain't yeah, no, weird. like, we're working on, yeah. So Daniel McQueen's kind of the principal... Uh, coordinator right now they've lined up a principal investigator um they're working on uh, ways to kind of screen people and then train them because right now with a lot of the psychedelic research they're just taking psychedelic naive people or people with a couple trips experience but not really any training like uh going through a breathwork training or going through like some sort of ayahuasca initiation or something like they don't they haven't had that and um, Daniel thinks it's important that these people have training yeah. like that before right. going in. Yeah. Why, and, why uh, is it that they do that? Is it to, to make them not biased about certain things? Is that, is that what they're trying to do with that? I doubt it. No. Recruitment is actually really hard for psychedelic research. Huh. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, because it's like, okay, what, what person with cancer 
that doesn't know about psychedelics really wants to take psychedelics. They're like, are you kidding me? Right. Get the hell out of here. Like, I'm not taking mushrooms right now. You're a lunatic. But <laughs> hey, man, I'm dying. Yeah, I know. Well, right. To somebody who's outside of this world, it sounds completely nuts. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And, and you know, as time goes on, it's going to get easier. But it's been really difficult for recruiting for a lot of studies. And there's a lot of reasons for that, but we won't get into that now. But right. yeah, I don't, I don't think it's about bias. I just think it's about recruitment. Right. Uh, so the people that they're trying to recruit, though, are people that aren't trained. Uh, but it, like, so for example, like, like trained. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Like, so would like, would you be a good candidate to to? <laughs> yeah. Some like I don't know that I want to do it, but yeah, somebody with me or Kyle's experience would be a pretty good candidate. Okay. So um, okay. Good. <laughs> I hate to say that out loud, Daniel. <laughs> Cross I can, me off your list. I can edit that out. <laughs> um, keep it. <laughs> but yeah, I, it's it's tricky though, right? Like anybody from these, like somebody from Temple of the Way of Light, for instance, they would be a great candidate. Right, okay, um, gotcha. Like if they've drank like more than 10 times, that's probably enough experience. But there's going to be like skills and like uh, conceptual things taught, theoretical things taught that, that make it kind of easier to come back because one of the problems is you come back and you're a crazy person for a few days or a few hours or something like you're manic, you're, you're running around. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, yeah. why not be, have like that self-awareness built in? You're like, okay, whoa, let's chill. Let's maybe take a shower and chill out for a little bit. That was crazy. Yeah. Maybe. Like, instead of running around like a crazy person. Right. Ex- exactly. Exactly. Right. And that's, that, that can happen more when people are uh, unfamiliar with these realms, but also but maybe we should talk a little bit about that because that that's, I feel like th- the word integration has been going around a lot. And, you know, this past year, it's been a big part of my life. Um, and that's not something that when I first started getting into psychedelics, um, you know, I was really kind of just like romanticized by the, the poetry of language of a McKenna or like, you know, people like that, that would, that would talk about them in these fantastical ways. And I really kind of fell in love with that with that, like the kind of the storytelling sort of angle, what a lot of people don't, you know, what I, what I think is majorly important is, is this thing that's called integration. And I think that a lot of people talk about integration. I don't know if anybody really necessarily knows exactly what it is, but I know a lot of people are trying to focus on, on integration. Maybe you guys want to talk a little bit about that. Um, let me know, like, what do you think? What are your, what are some of your opinions and maybe experience with, uh, with this, with this, um, I, I guess, uh, what, what should I call it? I guess a function, uh, a integral, an integral part of the psychedelic experience, right? Yeah. Um, it's definitely an important part of the psychedelic experience. Um, so I'll, I'll just share like a short, short little thing. So I had a near death experience when I was 16. And I mean, for me, that was probably the, the most powerful psychedelic experience, you know, ever. I mean, to, to actually dance with death and, and get to that realm and then having to come back here and you go, okay, now what? <laughs> you know, I was 16. So I just fell into like a huge existential crisis and really Whoa. didn't know how to live. What, 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 um, happened, what happened to you? I ruptured my spleen. I got in a really bad snowboarding accident and lost like five and a half pints of blood internally. So oh. I almost died from internal bleeding. Oh my the God. doctor said if I came in like five or 10 minutes later, I would have been dead on arrival. Um, wow. 
so, I mean, after that, I was like trying to figure out, okay, what's going on now? Um, you know, everybody else around me, you know, teenagers were worried about having sex or doing drugs or doing this. And I was on like an ultimate high of like, what is all this? You know, like, <laughs> what is life? What's death? Like, I couldn't function. Like, I totally just like stopped doing all my work in school. I was like, all this shit is pointless. Like, y- the schools are just factory producing kids. Like, this, like, there's so much more to life than just, <laughs> You know, I just had all these crazy thoughts all of a sudden. I had no idea like where it came from. And it kind of uh, sunk me into like a huge depression. Um, and it wasn't until like I discovered psychedelics and I started uh, going to school to really uh, conceptualize and integrate all this, this experience. And, you know, breathwork was a huge part of it. But a teacher of mine, um, my shamanic teacher, like said, like when I was talking to him, he's like, yeah, you know. It's like if you lived in a traditional culture, the elders would have stepped in and showed you how to work with this experience. They would have taken you out of school. They would have started putting you in some sort of training to help you really understand and, and work with it. And I think that's what lacks in our culture is like the elders stepping in and giving some sort of framework to work with these experiences. And so <clears throat> for me, like integration is really um, how do you take a really profound experience and uh, embody it, bring it into your life and um you know just be just learn how to how to live with that experience and you know that could be you know creating a project or changing your life in a different way um but really like embodying that experience and then living with it Mm -hmm. right yes no that's um wow that's an amazing uh little story you told there, Kyle. Uh, that's, that's crazy. Uh, all you snowboarders out there, be safe, okay? Because yeah. or or don't. You, know, you might have a good time. I don't know. Experience after <laughs> afterwards. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but but yeah, wow. I mean, at, you know, I hear so many stories like that where people come to these. You know, they have these near death encounters, and it's you know, it's it's interesting because it's almost like by accident, right? And it's like, well, why, why you? Why did this happen to you? Well, maybe maybe there's some sort of path that you should be on. And this was kind of the force that, that it took to get you to where you needed to be. I don't know. But it's interesting that it, it almost, it takes an experience like that to kind of thrust somebody out of the kind of mainstream doldrum of the repetitive uh, you know, like you said, like the, the, just the factory kind of farm for children. And, you know, it's just like, okay, like here's what life is. Don't question it. And, you know, but you broke out of that and, you know, there's right, right. Like your, your, your friend, uh, your teacher was right when they were talking about these indigenous tribes and, you know, in, in a shamanic, uh, setting children would also be kind of, uh, exposed to the larger view of the world of the tribe at the time by going through something called a rite of passage. And that's something mm-hmm. that we we don't have so much and you know we don't have that in our culture today. We don't have these rites of passage where you know the 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 boy, the young man has to kind of experience a real, you know, come face to face with, you know, death or the the great beyond, the unknown, some kind of cosmic struggle to overcome. And uh, who knows, you know, maybe that's why we have a lot of, you know, sexual predators and, you know, just 
terrible people in the world because there's they're living sort of unconsciously and not coming to terms with this but anyway that just sent me off on a little tangent there but that that was great uh, to hear that because it's so so important and um and integrating that experience into your life is a as a natural part of the human experience not what we we tend to do in mainstream western society where we tend to kind of just say put a band-aid on it get back in the game you know it's it put, right. let's brush it under the rug Let's not talk about it, you know, none of that kind of stuff. And as we've seen in our history, I don't think that's so healthy, right? No. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, to go back to the rites of passage, you know, there, there's usually three stages. There's probably more, but, um, you know, you have the separation where you're separated from daily life and then, and like, your daily responsibilities. And then you have a state of liminality. So this non-ordinary experience could be extreme pain, could be plant medicine, could be um, isolation, whatever that is, to put you in a liminal state. And then the third is worldly return, so integration. So part of the initiation is like coming back to your tribe, back to your community, and learning how to live with this new narrative that you just experienced. And the elders are there to really catch you and like make that transition uh, smooth. And I think in our culture, we're creating our own rites of passages. So, you know, as a young adult, you might go experience like a, a really powerful psychedelic experience and you know, just do a lot of self-exploration, but then we don't have a, a container or culture to really function in. We go, uh, well, we don't really know what's going on. So you keep going back and keep going back because there is no real integration there. Um, so yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I think, I think we lack it. It just, and you know, it's just the container. And I think, you know, we're in the process of uh, creating it. And I think, you know, what we learned from the 60s is that I don't think there was a container or integration. I think moving forward <laughs> yeah. with this like kind of new wave, we're being a little bit more cautious. And I think we realize the importance of, of integration um, moving forward. Right. Yeah. No, whatever. If there was a container in the 60s, it got blown to smithereens. I mean, what a wild time. You know, you have the war going on, civil, just so many things happening at, at once. And then all of a sudden people are just, you know, I I I was I forget who I was talking to, but they were like, yeah, a, a standard dose in the '60s was like 300 micrograms of LSD. People were just handing out 300 <laughs> micrograms of of LSD and just blowing their brains to you know just going completely bonkers. You know what what and society was just like, what the hell is going on here? You know, so uh, an appropriate reaction, I guess, by the 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 powers at the time to be like hey let's put a lid on this as fast as possible otherwise we might lose control of this whole operation we got going on here but um but yeah Kyle so 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 I'm I'm interested to know have you or Joe had an experience like the experience you had when you injured yourself but through maybe a psychedelic or a non ordinary state of consciousness experience well, I'll let you go, Joe. Yeah, first. and and I'll just say that that you know, obviously, that's that's something that what people would refer to as maybe like an ego death experience or something like that. So, have I had an ego death on psychedelics? Yes, for sure. <laughs> um, let's see. I I don't like the term. <clears throat> I know it's kind of a traditional term to use, but um, it, I have some problems with it. Is but, there a term that you would prefer? Not really, no. <laughs> I just, uh, 
I just um, I hear it and it just feels like people kind of put it up as like that's their new Jesus now is ego death this new term. My ego is um, dead, cool. man. My ego is more yeah. dead than your ego. My, <laughs> right? my, my ego like died, that. came back, was a zombie, and then was killed again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like That's what I'm hearing. Right, right. <laughs> but I'll let them have it. If they want to have it, that's cool. Um, and in a sense, it's true. But uh, Groff was recently interviewed by Aubrey Marcus, and his whole line was, it's, yes, it's ego death, but it's the false ego. It's the ego you think is you. It's your mask fell off. Mm. And then the, the real you comes out. Wow. And uh, you need you need a reminder once in a while. Um, and yeah, so it, during my ayahuasca session, I it, it was so like I've only had ayahuasca once. So I'll start there. Um, but it was incredibly powerful. I asked for the tall cup. I was having a hard time before going in. So I'm like, I, maybe this will really help if I really go for the gold here. Mm-hmm. Um, and after all my breathwork experience. So actually, this is the first time I actually did a psychedelic. Wow. I'm kind of a baby. So this is seven, eight years into my breathwork sessions. Um, and um, I've had some pretty wild stuff happen in breathwork, but you know, nothing like this at that point. Um, but yeah, this 2D3 entity just came over, took me over, was scanning me. I had all these like kind of Alex Jones type reptilian <laughs> fears coming over that these reptilian overlords were going to take over my body and corrupt <laughs> my soul for all eternity, blah, blah, blah. And yeah pure horror for 30 minutes and um eventually it just like kind of popped it just like fell over it's like all right cool <laughs> you're past that phase right <laughs> started yeah. puking it was amazing and it was like there's like a zero consciousness there um uh, while i was puking it, it actually felt wonderful to puke but it was like there was just the experiencer right it was almost like uh, in some ways the body was dead but still experiencing right um just really neat and then um yeah, just this torrents of, of content and, and memories and dead people and all this stuff for hours, um, which is wonderful. But, it, you know, it's really intense. Um, yeah. yeah. You know, sometimes at concerts, like this stuff kind of happens to me, like uh, on drugs, like acid, for instance, like you know, the self is just no longer there. Like I'm taking a leak or something kind of maybe a little too high to be on my own, but I'm doing it anyway. And all of a sudden I'm like dissolved and merged into the wall. I was like, well, that was a little heavy for right now. I got to go back to where there's people like, you know, that kind of shit happens. Right. Right. And, uh, so I, I don't know if I went too off track, but no, you know, ego good. death, like it can mean a lot of things, right? Like, is it just like the disassociation with identity for a little bit? Was it the act of feeling like you're dying? Um, even though you're not dying, there's a lot of ways to look at it. Yeah. Um, and Kyle, I know you have something a little more profound to share if, if you're up for it, but yeah, I've had a lot of uh, weird, crazy experiences uh, that you know needed integration. Um, but I guess my most profound one, and, and I talk about it often, is the first time uh, that I ate mushrooms. Well, it was my second time. The first time was just kind of like a microdose. Um, and I ate about two grams and went out in the woods walking and with my friend. And I watched, like, he puked his up and you know, I, I started losing like control and sense of my body. And I had this feeling come over me that seemed so familiar and this cold started to creep in and I was like, holy shit, this is death. And I sat down on this little rock in the middle of this trail in the woods. And I said, this is where I'm going to die. Um, I think we're, 
I think we overdosed. <laughs> I didn't know anything about mushrooms. You know, I just, I ate them. I was in a pretty like rough mental uh, space trying to still process all this near death experience stuff. And, um, all of a sudden the world uh, began to have teeth and, and mouths and uh, every the world consumed me and I entered into this blank void. I didn't know anything about myself. I didn't know my name. I didn't know what year it was, what time it was. I, you know, just, I knew nothing about myself and it really freaked me out and I thought I was dead. And I started traveling through, I kind of call it like these star systems or the universe and I hit the edge of the universe and started peering back and I was like, man, this place seems so familiar. And I saw, uh, you know, the, the classic self-transforming machine elves mm. in the cockpit of my brain. And I didn't know anything about Terrence McKenna at this time. Right. And, uh, I said, holy shit, I've been here before. And these things were like, yeah, thousands of times. And I was like, oh my God, like this is this is it. Like, this is the place where we go when we die, right? Like, this must be the death bar, though. These things were like, yeah, more or less so. I was like, holy shit. I was like, this is intense. And uh, then I was like, wait a minute. Okay. Maybe these are the things that I talked to that night that I, I like almost died. Like, this must be God. Cause I, you know, when I woke up from my accident, I had a whole new set of beliefs and it felt like I got this like weird download. I had no idea where it came from. And I just started thinking so differently. It's like, oh my God, like, the, are you, the, are you the beings that I talked to? Like when I had this near death experience and they're like, yeah, more or less. So, I mean, it was a total trickster archetype just right. messing with me. Right. And I came back and it was like totally reborn. And, uh, that took a while to process, um, that's when I really started to kind of get into researching psychedelics. And then I came across Terrence McKenna and Rick Strassman. And once I heard Terrence McKenna start talking about the self-transferring machine elves, I was just like, holy shit, other people have seen these things too? <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> it just it blew my mind. Um, so, I mean, that actually kicked me off to study a lot of this stuff and um diving deep into the literature and was really part of my integration process with that like before then like i really had no perspectives on anything and uh, you know i was just working like a, a just like a dead-end job at like a deli and you know all my friends were at college and i just decided to take some years off and uh i mean that really got me started on on studying this stuff. I was like, I want to go back to school. I want to study consciousness. Like now I had this whole new fascination of the mind and, and what, you know, life and death is. And now you have it all figured out. You have all the answers. No, I, <laughs> I, have, I have nothing figured out. The more you go into this space, the more you realize you just don't know anything. Exactly. <laughs> right, right. Yes, exactly. And that's good to know for the people listening out there you know, uh, who are maybe or maybe not experimenting, uh, you know, is to, of course, be safe. But also, you know, we don't, you know, we, we maybe have a little bit more experience, but we don't know, you know, there's no solid, concrete certainty here with any of this stuff. But I can tell you for a fact that I experienced the the elves as well. I've I had an encounter with them as well. And uh, you know, what is it? I don't know. Is it, you know, is it maybe is it some kind of collective uh thing in our unconscious or is it something that gets triggered by the use of certain substances? None of us are really no one can really say with 100% fact-based evidence what this is, right? Yeah, I mean, people ask me like after I tell that story and they're just like, "Well, what is it?" Like, seems like you have this and that's what like 
tripped me out the most was I was like, holy shit, like there is a connection between death and the psychedelic experience. Right. Like yes, there is. it felt so familiar and I felt like I've been there thousands of times and da, da, da. but I mean, I don't know what any of this stuff is, you know, it, it makes me more curious than anything than like having answers, you know? Yeah. I, I sort of enjoy the mystery of it because I, and I sort of like think it's fun to kind of you know, think about what it could be, but I definitely think that death and dreaming and death and the psychedelic experience are all linked up in some way or another uh, you know if they're not related they're in the same sort of family or something but um yeah th- this this will lead me into my next sort of question here um to both of you guys and you know talking about these kinds of experiences and you know I've had them too a lot of people have been throwing around and me and my friend, you know, you guys know Ed from Psychedelic Milk. We love to, mm-hmm. we, we love to, you know, say we're woke as fuck, right? We're like, we're, <laughs> we're woke as fuck. Like, I just think it's such a, cr- a great, you know, term to be throwing around. I love having fun with, I love having fun with those words. But there's, you know, there's a lot of people out there that are, you know, having awakening experiences, if you will. You know, if, if you don't want to say maybe ego death experience, maybe you want to say awakening experience. I don't know whatever words work best for you. But this leads me to, you know, to kind of, and we've been kind of touching on this a little bit throughout the entire podcast, but maybe, you know, there's this um, awakening kind of or spiritual emergence, right? That that would be the correct phrase, the, spir- mm-hmm. the spiritual emergence, right? So what, like, when somebody comes back from an experience like that, there, there's the potential, and you know, Joe talked about this earlier in the show about the guys who are on college campus with the little men with the flags running around, and you know, there, there's, there's, you can kind of take this in all different ways. You know, I mean, you can be, you can kind of get drunk on megalomania and totally <sighs> think that you're like the second coming of Jesus and that you're going <laughs> to save the world. And this, this is a common kind of thing that happens with these big experiences. So maybe, maybe if you guys want, you know, to talk a little bit about sort of. Um, and I know Stanislav Grof, I think, has has also worked in this area too. With this, uh, I think, did he coin the term spiritual emergence? Uh, he did. Yeah. yeah so, him and his wife Christina. Right. So maybe, like, you know, so then that would be kind of like the next phase, you know, you know, it, on top of this integration is like, you know, this spiritual emergence thing. Or are you just? Did you just? Are you just nuts? You know, <laughs> is that is that what happened? You know. Um, so I, I don't really have like a. I guess I kind of have like a. a a shitty kind of way of asking a question, but that's uh that's kind of what I want to know about. I want to know a little bit more about this spiritual um, emergency that could happen, uh, in, in when somebody has such a profound uh, awakening experience like that, and uh, you know, just um, I don't know what 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 can be done and uh, what uh, what what to make of it all, right. So Kyle actually has direct clinical experience with some of this stuff, but I'll I'll throw out a little bit of background um, first. So people can get symptomatic and look like full on crazy person. Um, And the, what the hospital or the police would want to do is give you an injection of benzo or Thorazine to put you down and then they'll strap you onto a board, put you in a mental institution. And that's not necessarily the best place. Um, And there is this divide that, that we have to be aware of is it actually real psychosis like do you actually need to be in the hospital or do you need to have special care to have the most uh, optimal outcome here um and that's that's kind of a different story but in some cases people just need to slow down 
and have support kind of around the clock for, uh, unfortunately, I think up to like 40, 50 days um, before they come back down from that spiritual crisis, spiritual emergency or emergence. It's funny wordplay there. Right. But yeah, yeah it's, it's this like crazy set of experiences. Like maybe you're seeing stuff, maybe you're seeing energy from people or little men or whatever, but it's, um, uh, something that happens very regularly it can just even happen in breathwork people too you don't mm-hmm. need drugs or you don't even need to be doing drugs whatsoever or spiritual practice for this stuff to happen it can just happen right that's um, a good point and I, I just want to interject real quick and just say that that's that's a really good point because if you're out there if you're experimenting you, everybody's physiology is different you never know what could happen you could take one 150 microgram hit of lsd and it's your first time doing lsd all of a sudden you have a kundalini awakening you have a spiritual emergence now what Right. Yeah. Yeah. And Kyle, I'll let you kind of fill in from there. Um, I hope, hope that kind of laid the groundwork a little bit. Yeah. I mean, these experiences, like, so emergence is really uh, describes an emergence process. So it's like, <clears throat> you know, you might be having a crisis and then uh, Stan thinks of it as this opportunity, like this crisis is an opportunity to uh, emerge and to uh, ascend to like a higher functioning of consciousness. It can turn into an emergency when uh, it starts becoming a little more like mania and psychosis, when somebody might need a little bit more care around the clock, as Joe was saying. Um, And so actually... If anybody wants to learn a lot more about this, um, we actually have a free webinar on our Teachable platform. Um, I did a, 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 yeah, a webinar with a spiritual emergence coach, Michelle, called Spiritual Emergence oh, cool. or Psychosis. <clears throat> I get into a lot more of this on like what psychosis is, when emergence, uh, emergence turns into emergency, and um, you know what could happen. But um, oh, great! You know, I think it's, well, then yeah, yeah. And- that that's that's great. So, um, it, it's that's a free webinar that you have offered there. Kyle? Yeah, free free webinar. Oh, yeah. Cool. But you okay, know, I also want to you know toss it out there that sure. this is a really important um conversation for the psychedelic community because it can happen with like a like you said a single hit. It happened to me, and uh, you know, I I was definitely in a spiritual emergence process for like three three to four months, and luckily something was telling me to contain it. But you know, some people that uh are too blissed out or just too caught up in the experience. I mean, it can really lead to, um, some harmful things, you know, people, they might put themselves in danger. They might, um, you know, just do some things that aren't, aren't safe. And, uh, you know, I'm sure we all have known somebody that just has been too whacked out on, on psychedelics and never came back. Yeah. Start, Viewing you start it wearing Birkenstocks while skateboarding. Yeah. Yeah. Damn hippies. <laughs> um, but, you know, being able to contain it and, and maybe understand a framework uh, to work with it and help you get grounded, um, I think is really important um, because like when you're constantly in these ecstatic states or these non-ordinary states, I mean, it's really hard to function in the world. And, um, you know, we, we do live in a physical reality as much as we want to ascend this and, and just be spirit living out in the ethers. Uh we are living here. <laughs> and so, you know, I have a, a background in transpersonal psychology and I spent a lot of time just hanging out in that. And, uh, you know, I, I'm starting to realize that, you know, a lot of the work and a lot of the magic is being in the body and being here and, and not always having to go out and explore and, and stay out there. Yeah. 
No, yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, it is um, right. Exactly. That was actually a perfect way to put it. And I'm not going to add too much, but just say, right, you don't want to be, you know, Magellan, you know, know, constantly on the move, constantly discovering. And, you know, it's like you can you can explore, come back, you know, explore, come back and then maybe you know, finding, I mean, that's definitely this past year has been kind of um, an interesting year for me and kind of learning a little bit more balance because I was really going pretty, pretty aggressive with the exploring for a long time. And, uh, you know, I've, I've learned to kind of balance that and, uh, and kind of stay here and stay now. And I, and I've really started to integrate more spiritual practices uh, with my work. You know, meditation has played a huge part in this past year for me as well. So, you know, just some some things to consider, you know, uh, to, to maybe include in your repertoires, mycadelic listeners. All right. Well, listen, guys, uh, we're, we're nearing towards an hour, but I, I still wanted to talk about one more thing. And, uh, you know, it's been a pleasure speaking with you guys. We, we should have done this uh, a while ago, um, but we'll definitely do it again. And um, yeah, I want to talk about the Myco Meditations event. Uh, maybe uh, you guys want to talk a little bit about that. I, I saw, I listened to that podcast you had, and and for anybody um, who's interested, go and and check out you know psychedelics. Say, listen to the Catherine McLean episode. Uh, it's it's a wonderful episode. But like I said, these guys have tremendous episodes. They always have great guests on. And um, you, there were basically she was basically talking about her experience down at this retreat center. And I saw that you guys were partnering up. Um, with them as well. So I'll let you take the reins and kind of explain, uh, give, give us the whole scoop. What's going down with the Myco Meditations Retreat and Psychedelics today? <laughs> so we decided um, after hearing about Eric months ago, or actually maybe almost a year ago, we heard about Eric and he was doing legal mushroom retreats in Jamaica. Um, it's they just never had to make laws around mushrooms. It was always just, you know, taboo in their culture, kind of associated with witchcraft, so nobody did it. So, um, yeah, the laws are wide open. There's only a very, very few countries where it's legal to use mushrooms, and this is one of them. And Eric has pretty much established over the course of a number of years uh, sources of great mushrooms and uh, a, a facility in Treasure Beach, Jamaica, kind of on the south shore, uh, maybe two hours from Montego Bay. and it's from all reports, it's the perfect place to trip on mushrooms. <laughs> and the way, the way Catherine laid it out is it's, you know, he's a very permissive guy. So very flexible. If you don't want to be quiet, you want to go dance on the beach. That's another, that's one way to do it. Or you could just lay down in the quiet room with your eyes closed and, and take it all internally, which it sounded like that was the natural process for her retreat. So yeah, we're doing, uh, May 16 through May 23 uh, retreat this year. And um, we're going to try to teach everybody everything we know about psychedelics and facilitate a number of mushroom sessions. Uh, we we don't know all the details yet, but it looks like with the one um, Catherine put together, there was four trips, mostly at night. Um, I think one day trip over the course of 10 days. So we're probably going to try to do something similar to that. And I think we're going to try to put together some holotropic breathwork as well, or sorry, transpersonal breathwork, and um, for the copyright police out there. So, <laughs> um, yeah, that's that's what we're looking at. We're going to try to teach all of our harm reduction and theoretical stuff, and as much as we can fit into this uh, retreat. And really excited about it. Um, Kyle, anything you want to throw in? 
No, I'm, I'm really excited about it too. It's a, it seems like a really unique opportunity. And, um, <clears throat> you know, when we kind of fell into our lap, I was like, man, this is, this is even a possibility, <laughs> you know, it was just, I've always, uh, pictured myself doing this type of work and, uh, I just scratched my head. I'm like, Hmm, seems a lot closer than, uh, than some of the clinical work that I was hoping to get involved <laughs> in, in the future. So yeah, it's, it's really exciting. And Mike, we're also exploring options for retreats in the Netherlands as well. So stay tuned for that. Awesome. Um, they magic truffle is legal there still. So that, that, um, is on the horizon and is something we're looking at. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean that I'm looking for, I mean, I'm going to be in Peru, but when I get back, I am, I might, you know, if I, if I have the means and ability to do it, I am so looking forward to being a part of anything like that. It just sounds, sounds fantastic. I got to say, it's so nice to see just more and more events and, and, and this kind of stuff take off and grow. And, you know, even though sometimes the political climate can kind of get us kind of down, I think that we have the people, we have the, uh, the, the work, we have the data, we have the kind of momentum on our side. People want to learn about this stuff. People are seeking it out. Um, you know, and there's a lot of passionate people that are, that are doing things and it's great to get out there. There. You know, these podcasts are great, but I love more than anything to get out there to meet, you know, people in the community and to share the ideas and to help grow uh, this thing that I guess we can call our little, you know, our psychedelic movement, so to speak. And um, yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, for anybody, you know, listening out there, what, what would you guys say, you know, if, if people were interested in maybe, uh, say, getting involved in, in, in this sort of, I guess you would call a line of work that we do here, you know, what would you <laughs> tell them, you know, to try and maybe, you know, because I think uh, a lot of people might be able to relate, you know, you, you, you listen to podcasts, maybe you don't have a lot of people in your town or in your community that are into this kind of stuff. So you kind of keep it quiet. It's still illegal. So it's a little taboo. You can't talk to your parents about it. So what would you recommend for maybe some people out there that are listening to go and do to try and get involved in being a part of, uh, of this amazing stuff that's going on in the psychedelic community? Top of things. Go ahead, Kyle. You no, first. you can go. You go. Uh, start a group. So, you know, even if it's under a pseudonym and you meet up at a Starbucks once a month, start a group, put up some stuff on Facebook and, and see what happens. Uh, read more. Um, try to find the classics in the field. Don't try to find like the, the newest book published in 2017. Um, so books by Groff, Huxley, um, stuff about Tim Leary and what happened over in Harvard, like Harvard Psychedelic Club, like stuff like that. Just figure out the history, figure out where we are now. Um, don't be dogmatic. Don't think Terrence McKenna was honest all the time. Uh, and <laughs> I love the man, but... <laughs> And, and go to conferences. If you can go to conferences, that's the number, like, I think the number one thing you should be doing. Um, they're all over Europe, Australia. Um, there's at least one per year in New York. I think there's some in, in California and um, uh, Vancouver, BC every year. So yeah, just read more, get involved, maybe find some communities online you like. There's forums popping up. Like, I really like the Shroomery website or Mycotopia. Mm-hmm. Um, there's plenty of others. Like if you're into 5-MeO-DMT, there's the 5-Hive. That's kind of new. That's a great one. But you know, figure out how to find community. And don't just say, oh, I want to be a psychedelic researcher. Like think about it for a while. There's so, many, there's so many ways to approach this field. You could be a brain imaging scientist or whatever. There's so many, so many places to go. And the future is huge. The future is very huge. Well said, Joe. Well said. <laughs> yeah, and you know, I was just going to say, I... 
approached this because I wanted, I, I read Groff and read his books on psychedelic psychotherapy. And I was like, I want to do this. Like, this is what I want to do in my life. <laughs> and so, you know, I'm, I'm trying to go the academic route and that's not for everybody, I don't think. And I think a lot of people that are interested in this stuff think that's the only route to get involved in this work. And, you know, I didn't think having a podcast was even a way to get involved, you know, like my site, like when I first started getting involved in this stuff was reading the literature and then finding a school that would allow me to explore this. I just was able to get to some weird, unique school where I could study psychedelics and transpersonal psychology and, and breath work. And, um, <clears throat> you know, just really follow your passion. Think about what you're interested in and just, uh, just keep at it because, you know, I think as the future unfolds, there's going to be a lot of need for a lot of different uh, skill sets. You know, if to think there weren't all these psychedelic podcasts popping up or these conferences like years ago. And it's like, you know, when trying to grow this, Joe and I are thinking, well, shit, like, I don't know anybody like graphic designers, you know, writers, like there's so many different avenues to approach. Somebody said, you know, probably end up need some sort of psychedelic lawyer at some point, just figuring out logistics, you know? So there's probably, yeah, there, there's so many different avenues that you can approach this and it, you don't have to just think about research and, and clinical application. You can take this anyway. And, you know, hopefully the future is bright and hopefully the research continues to uh, show promising results that helps to lessen the stigma. And there will be a totally different new avenues that we didn't even imagine. So Awesome. Well said, guys. Yeah, I mean, it's just uh, it's an, it's amazing time to be alive. You know, I'm thrilled. Uh, I'm excited. You know, that as soon as all this stuff just keeps building and building upon each other, and new modalities are being created, and like you said, yeah, psychedelic lawyers. Who knows what's going to happen, right? And the, who knows what kind of weird, crazy jobs the future will be? Maybe we'll have a whole new paradigm shift, and our value structure will change, where we'll start to you know put more priorities on the arts, and you know the whole world will will shift into one big mushroom trip. Let's just pray that it'll happen. All right. And, <laughs> and, uh, and then, you know, you can join me on my, uh, extended state DMT cruise into the middle of the ocean in 2020. We'll the be matrix machine. Yeah, man. Oh, it was a pleasure speaking with you guys. Guys go check out Psych psychedelics today. Joe and Kyle are awesome as you've heard. And, um, they got a ton of, uh, information and resources over there. Go check out their courses. I'm going to put all the links in the show notes, psychedelics today.com. It was a pleasure speaking with you guys. Until next time, peace. Thanks so much, Mike. I hope you guys enjoyed that podcast as much as I did. You know what to do if you love this show. Share it, like it, spread it with your friends. Tell a friend, tell a family member, tell a neighbor, tell a coworker. And uh, if you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash Mike Brank. You can donate as little as a dollar a month. Or you could go on iTunes and leave me a nice five-star rating and review. Whatever you do, thank you for listening. Much love to you all. Peace. Peace.